Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Adam. On this episode, Richard and I thought it would be nice to talk through a few of our favorite things. Many of these items we've mentioned over the years, but we wanted to go through each major smart home category and give you an idea of what we like. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Adam Justice from ConnectSense on this episode of The Smart Home Show. We're going to discuss our top product picks, our favorite things, if you will, for this time of year in various smart home categories. Hey Adam, how are you? Doing well. I won't even sing. These are a few of my favorite things. Well, you just blew that. All right. Well, are are you ready for the holidays, though? Is this creeping up on you, or are you in good shape? Getting ready with uh, three kids and, you know, two families to buy for and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There are spreadsheets involved. <laughs> I love that. Of course there are. That's wonderful. So as we always do, uh, I have a question to open the show. Uh, so question for you, Richard, was uh, did you do any Black Friday or Cyber Monday holiday shopping? Yeah, Cyber Month, it seemed like, oh, yeah. because, wow, these sales were going on forever. I resisted and ended up getting nothing, like just my usual monthly needs from Amazon and stuff like that. Nothing in terms of gadgets or anything that was specifically on sale. And I think we get into a lot of the why about that in our last episode, you know, when we talked about what was going on in the smart home this year. Yeah. How about you? So we have a very specific rule in our household that you're not allowed to buy anything for yourself after November 1st, because otherwise there would be nothing to buy me for the holidays. So that's a very, very good rule. I hate it, but it, it, it exists for a reason. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't buy anything for myself. I probably did put some things on like some holiday lists and I did some shopping for others, but nothing major. We were also kind of traveling on Cyber Monday. Um, we had a wedding the day before, so it wasn't like I was normally at the computer, you know, ready and waiting. And Black Friday, like I didn't, I agree with you. It seems like everybody's had deals for a while now. So it didn't feel like there was anything super special or crazy to jump on. So, yeah. And I didn't notice anybody doing anything different on Monday than they already had in place on Friday and over the weekend. Like, that's the thing that was so weird about it. We know that there are inventory gluts in some areas. So, a lot of companies were trying to get rid of inventory, and that could explain why the promotions were on for sort of long. And maybe why some of those promotions are still going on. So, you know, well, right, kind of a joke. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, if you want uh, to submit a question that we can use to open the show, send us a question with the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard. Adam, I think we can't use our normal format here. So let's just kind of go back and forth on our various categories. We put together over a dozen different categories here. And I think we're going to talk about our favorite things that aren't necessarily, we're not saying they're the best in the industry, but of those things that we're familiar with, this is what we like. Is that fair? Yeah. What do we use? You know, what's in our normal daily lives that kind of thing. And, you know, I feel like listeners of the show have probably heard us talk about some of these things for a while, but, you know, these things evolve over time too, or, you know, industry changes. So we thought it'd be good to really dive in and, and kind of share, you know, what do we like? Why don't you start us off? Yeah. First category was around lighting, Richard's favorite category. 
And uh, my pick here was the Nano Leaf lines. We have a couple Nano Leaf things in our house. Both my boys have Nano Leaf tiles of some sort. I don't remember which version of them there are in their rooms, and they really like them. Um, that was a Christmas gift, I think, last year. And then uh, when the lines came out, I felt like my Zoom background for my home office was a little bit boring. So I uh, jumped on the Nanoleaf lines. Our, our corporate logo, our, our corporate company name is Grid Connect. It's like a, a capital letter G. So I built a G out of Nanoleaf lines, uh, which is currently in Christmas colors. Your branding people might not be too happy about that, but normally it's in you know standard grid connect teal. But <laughs> yeah, well, funnily enough, first of all, I looked at this category, meaning specifically a lighting product, like something that emits light, not a control or an outlet or something like that. We'll talk about those things later, and I have what might be a surprising pick for me, which is the. Nanoleaf Essentials light strips. I am a big fan of light strips. I love using light strips, not just for accent lighting, but also for task lighting in the right situation. And I have found that the new-ish, I think they came out the end of 21 perhaps, Nanoleaf Essentials strips are just as bright, have just as good color rendering as the hue strips, come in way cheaper. I think they list at 50 and they're usually available for less than that. And they're thread compatible. Now they are Bluetooth or thread. And with Bluetooth or thread and a thread router, they're basically compatible with anything. Because you can, through a threadboard or router, like an Apple TV or a one of the music devices that supports them from any of the companies or the Eero Wi-Fi things, now you have those things on your Wi-Fi too. And so they're accessible to Amazon and Google. They're actually even designed to work with Google's seamless setup. So I believe there's an IFTTT, sorry, I still can't get away from pronouncing the T's. There's an IFT recipe that will allow you to control them that way as well. So they work with everything. They check that box. They're bright. They check that box. They have separate warm and cool white diodes in addition to the red diodes. They check that, or the color diodes, so they check that box. They can be trimmed if you need them to. And they've done it in a way that I think is a little bit nicer than others that have tried to do this. They have an onboard control. So that little kind of hub or bump that exists on a lot of those strips is usually just a transformer of sorts. They actually put some buttons on there so that you can dim them, change the color, and turn them on or off if you wanted to. So for example, like an under cabinet lighting situation where you don't have them hooked up to a switch or something like that. Yeah, I had totally forgotten that I actually own some of these uh, in like a semi-uncompleted project for a collection I have. But the other nice thing is like there's a ton of third-party accessories for these and other kinds of light strips too. So you need to do different things, split them out different ways. I found some pretty good accessories online to do that. So Yeah, these are six-pin. So if you can find the pretty common six-pin connectors that on Amazon or other sites, they allow you to uh, to join them in ways that you might not otherwise be able to just with stuff out of the box. Yeah, I'll include a link in the show notes to the ones that I, I picked up, but um, yeah, it seemed to work pretty well. All right, well, why don't I kick off the next one, which is lighting control. So this would be something that you would use to control lighting in your home, either an app or a device or something like that. And and my, I thought long and hard on mine because the only lighting control product I wrote about this year was the Leviton Scene Controller. It's a four-button controller that, again, works with everything and allows you to assign different scenes to different buttons. It also has a built-in relay switch 
that's permanently assigned to one of those buttons. So it's a really powerful device. But I found, despite my excitement when that came out, that the thing that I have had the most utility from is the Leviton Decor Smart Anywhere Companion Switches. And this is basically like a Pico, but designed like a switch. Hmm. Again, we were kind of talking about how a similar product, and you may talk about this, uh, where you could have buttons or you could have an actual paddle. And the preference in many cases with many people is a paddle. So this looks like someone just shaved the front of a paddle switch off and put two coin batteries in it. And then you can either float it in a, what do you call it, a switch plate around existing switches, or you can attach it to the wall with sticky tape or screw it in where you don't have a switch. And this pairs then with a standard Leviton Decor Smart switch or dimmer, the second generation ones, so that you created a multi-way circuit without actually having a box somewhere. And I've used this around my house multiple places where I swear the builder should have put a switch there, but they didn't. And now I can just put the switch wherever I need it. Yeah, I love it. Good idea. And they're inexpensive. They're like 30 bucks or something like that. They also make a dimmer version of it too. So you can have remote dimming if you want more than just the ability to turn it on and off because maybe your, your load itself is actually a dimmer. Yeah, I mean, we've been able to do that with Picos for a while, but I love that they're doing it with more of a traditional light switch looking kind of shape and function, and it's really smart. Right. So my pick here, probably no surprise to longtime listeners, are the Lutron Caseta smart dimmers, and especially picking this because they now have a kind of new look and feel. So people that don't like the traditional like four button or whatever style now has more of like a it's like a rocker switch right yeah yeah it's the diva line that is designed to look and work more like a traditional rocker yeah you know if you were a holdout on lutron because of the look of the previous ones maybe worth another look and you know for me these have always been you know, smart home devices can be troublesome at times, fall off the network, you know, various issues. I would say my Lutron stuff has been like the longest standing five nines champion of reliability. Although I will caveat that I did have some issues with it a while back. And I was like, what the heck? And eventually we were able to get them back online. And it was like harder to troubleshoot because they're usually so rock solid too. So I was like, I didn't know what to do. But yeah, for the most part, they've always been super reliable. I tend to think that Lutron is kind of the poster child for where, why, and how a bridge solution with a proprietary protocol and radio set can actually work. Yeah. I mean, I guess one of my questions with everything, you know, new standards coming into play is like, does that make sense anymore? Or does it make sense to go to thread based controls and have everything beyond a matter network? Yep. You know, I think that remains to be seen, but, you know, there probably will be those like Lutron that'll stick with proprietary for their intra-communication of their own stuff. And then there'll be those that just go all in on kind of the thread Wi-Fi matter ecosystem. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that landscape changes. If I remember correctly, I think the raw three products that now that's a professional line from Lutron, but the raw three products that use their new clear connect X I believe that that is either ZigBee-based or it uses the ZigBee radio. Hmm. Interesting. Next category here, one that's near and dear to my heart, is the uh, smart plug or outlet. So no surprise here, shameless self-plug. I'm going to go with our ConnectSense in-wall outlets. So 
this product we came out with a couple of years ago and uh, it continues to go well. And we're one of the only that has a, a 20 amp outlet in the market. So that continues to be a good performing product. And uh, yeah, pretty proud of this guy. It's done done well. And uh, the ones I have in my home work very reliably and you know, integrate with all the major ecosystems yet. Um, no major plans here yet to announce with matter and kind of future stuff, but it's definitely something we're looking at. Cool. Well, my pick in this category, and these are things I'm using right now, is the Maris HomeKit smart plug. Now, Maris has smart plugs at dirt cheap prices, and they have different smart plugs for different protocols or or ecosystems. The HomeKit smart plug, you can occasionally get like four of them for $25. And I have found them to be very reliable. I don't know how they do this. That price point is nuts, but they're good. They do their job. They're nice and compact. They can be stacked, meaning you can have two on a duplex outlet without having overlap there. So a nice little product. And I will kind of give a shout out to their new Matter compatible smart plug, which they've already announced and made available for pre-order. I bought a few of those and you could get those, I believe, for two for $25, if I remember correctly. And I believe I ordered two two packs of those at half price during their launch. So again, four for $25 for their new Matter compatible plug. Now their new Matter compatible plug, I don't believe uses the thin form factor. So I I think there's going to be overlap if you have a duplex and you wouldn't be able to use two in the same duplex outlet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how these guys do this at those costs. I mean, this is why we don't have low end outlets because I can't build stuff for that price. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is kind of nuts. All right. I'll kick off the next one. And (laughs) this is going to be quick because you and I agree on this one. The favorite motion sensor, and I have tested a ton of motion sensors. I have tested Onviz, I have tested Hue, I have tested Fabaro, I have uh, probably a total of a half a dozen different motion sensors. I've tested the Lutron, it's very good, but it's big and chunky, and so my favorite to date is still the Hue motion sensors. They have the very small, nice indoor one, and they also make an outdoor one that has incredible range. And I just can't beat these things. Yeah, same. I use the indoor ones for just automating lights coming on. We use it in our closet, our bathroom, a couple other areas, and pantry. I have a whole bin of, of projects to do, but maybe that week after Christmas, I'll finally dig into my bin of shame and <laughs> get some projects done. But yeah, just a big fan of this here. I do, in in that bin of shame, I do have some um, ring outdoor motion sensors to put up, but um, haven't put those up yet. I do use them. They're fine. I use them outdoors. I mean, bringing ring stuff into my HomeKit ecosystem requires HomeBridge. And so, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, I mean, I think the strength of the Hue stuff is that it's all intra ecosystem and you know you can take it outside of the ecosystem too but when it's integrating with itself it's super quick it's very reliable and it's super quick when it's integrating with other stuff too that's a thing that's that just blows my mind right the hue sensor is part of the hue ecosystem so it works with Zigbee through the Hue bridge and is still faster and more reliable than motion sensors you can connect directly to HomeKit. Yeah, that's why it's the champion. (laughs) All right, our next category here is window covering. So I don't actually have any automated window coverings in my house, but 
I do have a customer in this space. So I'll, I'll more shameless plugs, but uh, one of our customers is Rollies Act Media, um, which does have HomeKit, Google, Amazon connected shades. They also sell under a couple of their brands. I don't know that that's super public knowledge, so I won't roll that out for them. But um, I see what you did there. Roll that out. Yeah. So there's a couple ways where you you may end up with a, a Grid Connect ConnectSense product in this area. We build the bridge for them. So they do all the shade stuff and that kind of stuff. And yeah, seems pretty reliable. For me, I mentioned this on the, on the fireside chat, but uh, I'd love to do shades, especially in my office. But you know, when I do it, I'm going to go big. But I'm kind of waiting on some shades that are matter compatible. Yeah, that's understandable. You know, in this category, I think the big gorilla in the room is Lutron. They have kind of led this space for the longest time. And any product that I've had of theirs in this category has been rock solid. They do these honeycomb blinds, you know, paper shades. They do the roller shades. They do now blinds as well. So, you know, like slatted blinds that adjust with, again, a Pico remote, that very versatile Pico remote. So just incredible the way they have this space covered. And while they're not as expensive as a lot of professional products for these same sorts of products, they're not cheap. Like you're going to be able to find other solutions or maybe even a DIY adapter solution more inexpensive than what Lutron is selling. But the Lutron stuff is good and it's rock solid and they have lots of variety in terms of their the product, the look of the product. So I highly recommend these. I've had a lot of good experience with them. One of the most impressive displays I've ever seen of shades was Lutron product in an Apple press space they maintain in New York. And they had these huge floor to ceiling windows and seeing shades on a big, vast scale like that, all operating in sync was truly, truly impressive. And and that, that was the day that I was like, someday. I want to have these everywhere in my house because it's it's pretty awesome. And if I remember correctly, I think they now have motors that can control a 12 by 12 roller shade all on battery, which is just bonkers. That's pretty crazy. All right. Well, next up is garage and garage control. Now, I think I've talked in the past about my... Chamberlain garage controller. And I think we know I'm not going to recommend that. So I don't have a selection here, Adam. What would you recommend for the garage? I am also a former uh, Chamberlain. Recovered? A recovered (laughs) Chamberlain? Yeah. So I tested out the Tailwind IQ3 on, uh, this is the wire cutters recommendation for garage controllers. One of the big reasons for this change was uh, my wife got a Tesla Model Y, um, which doesn't have built-in garage control. You can get an optional add-on for that. So Tailwind has this cool, when it works, it's amazing. Uh, When it doesn't work, pretty annoying kind of sensor that will do automatic garage opening. And it's like coordination with a sensor in your car your phone, your location, and the garage controller. And when it would work, it was fantastic. You pull up, the garage opens, magic, but it had some problems. But overall, I like Tailwind. I think where they're much more reliable is nothing is wireless. Everything is wired. So it's maybe not the prettiest setup, but my garage is like one of the last places I care about things being super pretty and you know if you want it to be pretty you could easily put channels and like you know stick tape and things to keep all the wires under control but I do like the fact that it's all wired wired sensors all that kind of stuff because I do think that helps with the reliability of it it's funny you mentioned 
that garage sensitivity to decor, right? My builder put this new garage system in and sure enough for the controller that had to be on the other side of the room, they just stapled the wire to the, you know, I have this beautiful glossy speckled floor in my garage, but there's this garage wire from one end of the garage to the other end of the garage so that I have a controller at the door. It's a garage, Richard. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I just want it to be nice. I don't know. I'll send you a picture of my garage ceiling. You'll cringe for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next category here is door locks. For me, I was a longtime Schlage Sense customer, uh, the original Schlage HomeKit lock. It was getting a little old, and uh, man, was that thing loud. Uh, I it thought it was kind of a feature because you knew that the door was locking because it would <laughs> and you'd like hear it uh, from across the house. Uh, and you're like, oh, the door locked. But, uh, you know, I've had some experience with Schlage's previous encode. We put one of those in my parents' place in Florida, as well as a lake house that they have. And really liked and could tell they put some work into that product. So when the Encode Plus came out, I jumped on that for two reasons. That was the very first product that had Apple's HomeKey built in. And that's the killer feature of this thing. HomeKey rocks. If you're wearing an Apple Watch, you literally just stick your watch on the lock. It opens. If you're using a phone, you have to double tap, show your face, pretty easy. So that's our default. You know, we're in an Apple household. Um, that's our default way of using this lock. That's nice. The other reason was it uses both Wi-Fi and thread. And I was thinking that this was going to be a, oh, no problem. They built this in. It'll be matter compatible and eh, wrong. So they recently announced that they're not going to upgrade it to matter which I'm somewhat annoyed about, but I probably don't really care because how we're going to use this is just going to be through HomeKey anyways. So we'll see. But uh, right now I have it hooked up to HomeKit using HomeKey, and uh, it's, it's a nice upgrade. It's a little bit quieter and uh, nice little more upgraded hardware. So the previous lock probably lasted me five, six years. This one's my lock for the next five or six years. Nice. Very nice. Well, in my old home, we had a Yale Ashore lock, and it was not pretty. It had physical buttons on it. I wanted to have buttons for the dog walker and other people to be able to get in the house, but I also wanted a keyway. And this thing was chunky, chunky, chunky. But what I loved about the Yale locks, and this is something that Stacy. Higginbotham has talked about in the past. For a device, like a smart device, to have the longest life that it possibly could, one way to do that is to make the smart guts modular. And that's exactly what Asa Ablo has done with the Yale locks. Not only with different radios like Zigbee or Bluetooth or... I think they have a Z-Wave version as well. But when they acquired August, then they made an August module for it as well. So you could just switch in whichever of these modules you want, and they've already mentioned that they're going to be coming out with a Matter-compatible module early next year that will work in this and the old Yale Ashore locks. So when I say this... Yale has since come out with the Yale Ashore 2, which is a much, much better looking lock with both buttons, although they're capacitive. They're not the physical kind of jelly bean buttons that I had, but the buttons, so you have a keypad and a keyway, which is so nicely integrated into the surface, you barely even notice it there. And by a keyway, I mean, you know, a keyhole that you can put a key into just in case the batteries die or whatever else. I'm not a fan of this idea of no physical way to open it up if the batteries were to die. Because I know me. I know that I let batteries die and I wouldn't want to be stuck outside my home. I don't let batteries die on my lock, though. 
And uh, one thing I will say is Schlage is really good at letting you know when the batteries are going to die. And they do that by degrading the performance of the lock. So it unlocks slower. It flashes at you like, you know, there's no way to not know (laughs) it's time to do. And so as soon as I see one of those, I just immediately change the batteries. But I don't carry around physical keys anymore. So there is a key for my lock. I do have a keyhole, but... Yeah, I don't not entirely sure where it is, but you know, a locksmith could use that hole to <laughs> to get in the house if somebody needed to. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. If we have sponsors, you'll hear them shortly or you may even hear my voice shortly, and then we'll return more with some additional smart home discussion. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy. But let me tell you, Making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. Okay, well, I will kick off this next category. And uh, once again, I think we're kind of in the same boat here. The next category is security, and I'm a big fan of Ring stuff. I know that there are other brands in this space. We even have companies that didn't put cameras out before, like GE Lighting getting into the camera space. But my go-to is still Ring. I have multiple ring cams around my home. I have the portable battery operated ones. I have the physically attached ones. I have the ones with lights, the ones without lights. I love these things. So uh, I tend to think that they probably have the best kind of catalog of different camera and lighting solutions for any purpose you have around your home. Now, security is more than just cameras, and they offer more than that. But for me, it's just the cameras. I'm all in on Ring all the time. So I have their security system. I've got the solar pathway lights. I've got a bunch of different cameras. I'm a big fan of their newest floodlight cam that has this kind of cool... It's better motion sensing. It uses like IR or something to track. So... It can show you this kind of cool bird's eye view of where it thinks motion is. So I have that in their newer floodlight cam. And I recently ordered their new battery powered cameras as well with the intention of putting those on other sides of my house that don't currently have video coverage with kind of the the general goal of having a full 360 on all major sides of the house with kind of cameras looking at every area. So, you know, originally I wanted, I was all in on HomeKit and I wanted everything to be HomeKit and Ring sort of snuck in there with like a promise to be HomeKit. And I was like, so I started with the the doorbell and then, you know, I've since added more Ring stuff and it's just kind of like its own ecosystem. It's fine if it's just stays its own ecosystem. That's fine. I don't need it to integrate with other things. And there's always Homebridge. Yep. I mean, if you really want it brought in, and it, honestly, Homebridge does a decent job bringing their cameras into the Apple ecosystem. You're not going to get the secure video capabilities through that, but you do have the visibility of the cameras. It brings them up on any camera app you might have. So it's good enough. For sure. Adjacent category, doorbells. So uh, I mentioned here, this was what got me into uh, into the Ring ecosystem. So for me, I use a Ring Video Doorbell Pro and a uh, big fan of that. Yeah, I think I've been using Ring doorbells since they first came out. I didn't have a doorbot, which was the 
predecessor, and wow, that was a, not a good-looking device. But when they first came out with the Ring, I really felt like they nailed it with the design. looks decent on the front of a home. It has the different panels that you can now flip in so that it matches your home better with either a different color or design. And my advice here, I guess, is just get the latest pro version of whatever they have. The features that they add to that continue to get better and better. They recently added package detection to a lot of the doorbells, which is a nice additional feature. And I'm also kind of blown away by how good the image is at night. I think they all have, the, the again, the pro versions, I think they all have the color night vision or whatever, and it's surprisingly good. Yeah, I think it's useful for, you know, security reasons, make sure you know who's at your door. And every once in a while, delightful. So uh, I'll give you a, a quick ring doorbell story. We, uh, last year around the holidays, which we still need to do this year, put some snacks and drinks out for delivery people. You know, those people are working their butts off and delivering a lot of packages. So just, you know, some cookies, chips, stuff like that. And uh, caught a delightful video of an Amazon delivery worker kind of looking through the snacks and then all of a sudden cookies or something caught his eye and he was just so delighted. And so super fun to have that on video and and also kind of see that uh, what we we're doing actually brought a smile to somebody's face and they were excited about it. Hell, that brings a smile to my face. That's just, that's amazing. That's so there cool. There you go. So Adam Tip, put snacks out for your delivery workers. That's very cool. All right. Our next category is cleaning. And I, again, don't have a recommendation in this category because I have dogs. And so I worry that having some automated thing running around the house would not just freak them out, like maybe it might a cat, but might I don't know, challenge them to the point that they might want to fight it. And <laughs> I don't really want to spend a lot of money on something that's going to get destroyed by my pets. So this is all you. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a iRobot uh, Roomba i7 I've had for a couple of years. We don't use it super duper often. I think my biggest problem is I have children and a dog and you kind of have to pick up before you want to run this. And I've heard good things about the J7, which is the newer tech that that can do like obstacle detection and get around stuff more. I was kind of waiting for that tech to come to the higher end. And then I might upgrade mine and get something here. Uh, the other good news about the J7 is it also has uh, pet waste detection. So it, it has a guarantee nice. that it, it won't track dog poop around your house. Nice. Um, Important. Yeah. But yeah, they're now owned by Amazon, worth mentioning, too. Yeah. So for some people, that's a problem. They don't want Amazon to map their homes. But yeah. um, I just think they, they'll have more dollars behind them and continue to put out good products there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's what I want. I want a robot that has something along the lines of maybe like a plow attachment and it can find things that look like dog toys. And <laughs> if in fact, when they move up against them, they like have a little bit of a, of give, then they strategically end up pushing all of the dog toys back into the dog toy pile. That would be, I would buy that. Keep dreaming. <laughs> maybe maybe Elon's bottle will do that for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, next category here is audio. So for me, I'm still pretty all in on HomePods and HomePod minis. Um, we have minis in all the bedrooms and uh, still have two big HomePods in my kitchen. I still think these are easiest. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we're in Apple House, so AirPlay 2 to those. But I do have a, a minor mention, which is uh, I got in the last year 
uh, a Sonos Move, which is like their bigger kind of carry around speaker and um, works really well around the house as well as a Bluetooth speaker outside of the house. We did it for uh, walk-up music at one of my son's baseball games. It was pretty fun. Uh, I think it annoyed the other team, which made it even more fun. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's a nice little battery-powered Sonos product. Yeah, I have the Sonos Roam, which is the very small portable speaker that they came out with. And I like it a lot. I I think it's great. I don't understand how the buttons are supposed to work on it. And I don't understand what the light's telling me, but eventually I can get it to come on and the sound is wonderful. So, uh, but that's not my pick. My pick is a Sonos product. It's the Sonos Arc. I purchased the Sonos Arc at the, uh, I guess, mid-year this year. I was going to say the beginning of the year, but you couldn't get them at the beginning of the year unless you wanted a white one. And I didn't want a white one. So I am really impressed by the sound that comes out of this. This thing can do Dolby Atmos. Now, I have a big open space family room that opens into a kitchen, so I don't have a back wall. So I don't have the advantage of true full room reflection of sound. But just the sound that we get out of this when watching movies is really, really good. And it solved my problem, which was that our new home didn't have really any way of having wired speakers without spending a whole lot of money to get them installed. And I just wasn't up for that. So I'm very, very happy with this product. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. I don't have one of these, but my parents do at their lake house. And I like it for a really simple TV setup. I'm going to bleed into the next category. What they have is just a TV, an Apple TV 4K, and a Sonos Arc. And you can control all of that straight from the Apple TV remote. So I think for for that in, in an area where you're not doing multiple inputs, you just want one input, it's a really good, simple setup. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, good lead in into our video topic. And for video, I have picked the new Apple TV 4K. Now, It shouldn't be any surprise that I have, I think, all three now generations of the Apple TV 4K that have existed. It's probably more accurate to say that I have all generations of every Apple TV that Apple has ever made, including the first one that you could fry an egg on. (laughs) And... I've tried. I've tried other stuff. I used the Google Chromecast for a while. I liked the Google Chromecast. It's a really nice experience. They did a great job with their curation environment and selection of things. And they do include Netflix, which Apple has never been able to do in terms of their curation. They've never been able to convince Netflix to allow them to be included. And still, I go back to Apple because it's performant. The new one is reliable. I don't have to reboot it every couple of days, which is awesome. It only took them 10 years to figure that one out. But yeah, I'm very happy with it. And I I bought the one that has thread built in. So I don't know why they have one that doesn't have thread now, but you know, I have to have all the things. So I have the, I have the things. I have the Apple TV 4K minus one, the last one <laughs> before this. And I didn't really see any reasons other than maybe Thread to upgrade. So I'm just going to stick with that for now. But yeah, my recommendation is the same for the same reasons. I'm a big fan, you know, and we're fully streaming everything. So Apple TV is our, our go-to and yeah, it works so much better than built-in TV stuff and, you know, any other platform as far as I've seen. So, If you're working with a bunch of HomePod minis around your home, you don't really need another thread border router, right? I mean, True. you have stuff all over your home already, so I don't think it's going to matter for you. Ah, okay, sorry. 
<laughs> you can't not make a pun about matter. You just can't. It's hard. The jokes write themselves. Ah, oh, jeez. All right, our next category here was uh, fitness. For me, um, we upgraded our Peloton in 2020 when the Bike Plus came out. This is the one that does integrate with Apple's fitness where you just tap your watch to get the heart rate over. It also does automatic adjusting of the tension on the bike. So, you know, during the kind of two years of not going to a gym, this was my go-to device for workouts. So I'm still a big fan. It's a nice product. And I like the, the Apple integration there as well. Very cool. Well, for me, my pick is an oldie. It is the old Withings Scale. First generation, actually. And I've had this, not immediately when it came out, but uh, once they started getting a little bit more attention and people were talking about tracking their weight and things like that, I decided to get one of these. And I, I like it a lot. It gives you your weight. It gives you, I believe it does some estimate of body mass and some other information, but I've been really happy with it. It has lasted a very long time and it gives me the opportunity to let everybody know that it's pronounced withings because not one podcaster in my feed pronounces this right. Not one. Well, if you wanted to continue working, just don't put it near a bathtub and have anybody drip water on it because okay. uh, my daughter killed one of my withing scales. Oh no, um, that's not a good. Small, a small pool of water that leaked into the LED. So yeah, it's not waterproof. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, bad. We use these as well. I mean, the good news is I instantly replaced it. We use the body cardio, I think. And I like that it does multiple user tracking as well. And I probably have 10 plus years worth of weight data. So it's a, it's a useful feature to see the different seasons of weight and things like that. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, our next category is just kind of everything else. We have another category. And I know that we've already talked about assistance and what assistance we use and, and what we think about the different versions of them. But there is one product for me that I think if I were talking with somebody who doesn't really care what ecosystem they get into, but they want to get into smart home stuff, I would probably recommend as the core for their smart home and their assistant. And that would be the Google Nest Hub Mini. I love this product. It is the perfect size. It has like a I don't know, I guess it's like a five inch or or maybe a, a seven inch screen on it or something. It's just, it's not too big of a screen, but it's not as tiny as the screen on the small version of Amazon's Echo that has a screen. And it sounds great. It comes in a couple of colors. It does some sleep tracking now. It does not have a camera. And frankly, I still think it has the best of the assistants built into it now. And Google finally now supports automations or routines, as they call them, that can be triggered by other things happening in your home, by other devices like sensors and stuff. They didn't have that for years and years and years after they got rid of the old Nest integrations. But now they have them. And honestly, this is my top recommendation in this category. Well, not the other category, but in terms of uh, voice assistance assistant. and assistant devices. I think this is just fantastic. All right. In the other category, I was just trying to think about other things that uh, I love and would recommend highly to people. I think I've mentioned it briefly when it was pretty new, but last year, I think we got kind of a Christmas gift for ourselves, for my wife and I, of the Eight Sleep pod cover. And I can't say enough good stuff about the Eight Sleep. I mean, I think sleep is a very often overlooked part of health, and it's a really important one. And uh, this guy is expensive, 
But I think if you have the means to do so and value your sleep, I'm a big fan. My wife likes to joke that my eight sleep is set on morgue because it gets so cold at night. Um, <laughs> and the funny story there was my my mother was uh, watching our kids and uh, used our bed. And she was like, Adam, you got to turn that thing off. It's so freezing. I was dying. Um, so now, now when mom comes over to watch the kids, I, I turn it off for her. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to throw another one in here and that is a smart kitchen device. I have tested several smart ovens. I actually even have a smart range now in our home and of the devices that I've tested, I've tested uh, Thermador, I've tested Tavala, two versions of the Tavala, including the newer one, and the June oven. And for the money, I got to say, the June oven is awesome. It's so convenient. The fact that it can detect a lot of what you put in it and just automatically know how to cook it is fantastic. It has a, a good ecosystem of different accessories for inside the oven, and you can add to that if you want. The only thing that I don't like is that they have a subscription program now, and one of the purchase plans includes two years of the subscription, after which you need to renew it. And if you're an Android user – you need that subscription plan to take advantage of certain aspects of the oven. That is, oddly enough, not true if you're an iOS user. If you're an iOS user, the only thing that you would be missing if you don't get their subscription is the ability to get new recipes periodically in the app itself and kind of I don't care. So <laughs> I don't expect to renew mine in the long run, but uh, it, this is a great product and I, I can't really recommend it enough. Just don't uh, hope you're not trying to get one for Christmas because they're all sold out. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that. And June is now owned by Weber. Weber has incorporated June technology into some of uh, their devices. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see a bit of an overhaul in their next generation of stuff. Interesting. So my last uh, one is also one that lives in the kitchen. We, after looking at it for many years, finally pulled the trigger and bought a GE Opal 2.0 Nugget Ice Maker. Whenever looking at a, a product, especially one that's over $500, you always consider like, how much is this thing going to get used? You know, probably June ovens, same way. If you use it every day, worth every penny. For us, the Nugget Ice Maker is used by all five family members every single day. Wow. So I think everybody loves it, makes great ice. You know, the kids fill their water bottles with it every morning. We use it for, you know, all kinds of drinks. It's actually, this has single-handedly gotten us from using as much bottled water now, because now we just take water from our tap, filtered water from the tap, and and do it with nugget ice. So it's been awesome, and uh, highly recommend that one. Very cool. Very cool. All right, so that wraps our favorite things picks, if you will. But we do have a question from a listener. This is an old question. So, Peter, I'm sorry we didn't get to this until now. But he asks, my wife doesn't want smart door locks or garage door openers because she's afraid of these getting remote access. How would you ease someone's concerns about the security of such systems? Love the show. I'll take a first stab at this. Yeah. I would say to Peter, spend five minutes on uh, lock picking YouTube or Twitter or TikTok, and uh, you will realize that the physical lock is your quickest and easiest point of security, not someone going in 
to a digital system. I would think it's much easier to, uh, you know, while Richard and I both said we have keyholes on our locks, you know, there's probably people that would prefer a smart lock without keyholes because it actually might be safer for those reasons. So yeah, if you have a, a normal lock with a keyhole, it's probably 10 times easier to just go in and pick that. And somebody who knows what they're doing can do that so much faster than, um, you know, the, the digital side of the threat. Anything that is involved in accessing our home or security related, I'm a big one password user. So I use super complex passwords, two-factor authentication, all the kinds of security features you would want to have to make sure that somebody couldn't digitally access any of those things. But, you know, I think we both have some of these types of things in our home. I feel pretty confident about it. So with any kind of fear like that, I think always getting into explaining, you know, how those things can keep you safe. And maybe you're going to give them more fear by going down the rabbit hole of lock picking stuff. But I think that's your quickest and kind of easiest point of threat there. I have a different but equally potentially concerning way of explaining this. And that would be to take your wife outside and have a brick sitting underneath the window closest to your door and ask her, now, what what do you think is more likely that someone's going to throw this through a window or that someone's going to bother trying to hack our lock? And don't really do that because that's really condescending. But my, my point is that it took me a long time to get comfortable with the idea of smart locks until you look at the practical concerns. And I think that Adam's exactly right that the analog concerns are probably greater than the digital ones if you manage your digital stuff responsibly. And and that's the key. My biggest issue, my biggest concern is accidental unlocking or accidental opening. I didn't include my smart lock in HomeKit because I was afraid it would be too easy to accidentally unlock it. And with my garage door, I kind of feel the same way, but I do have it in HomeKit and it is incredibly convenient having it in HomeKit as long as I periodically unplug and replug in my Chamberlain Bridge so that it keeps working. But I think ultimately the convenience outweighs the concerns of realistic threat that you might face by having it. I think the other thing I would say too is focus on the added benefits of having it. So for me, I get a notification when the garage gets left open. Right. I love that. That's worth it alone. Yep. And is worth the potential risk there. The other thing I was going to say too is just knowing when doors unlock and lock when you're not home. If all of a sudden you see the front door was unlocked and you know that nobody's supposed to be there, that would raise some alarm bells. Yeah. My other suggestion to add to comfort and backup is cameras. So I have a ring camera inside my garage which when I do get that notification that the garage is open, every once in a while, those things can get out of sync. And I have actually accidentally opened my garage when I thought I was closing it. So it's good to have a, a camera backup or your doorbell to verify things and you know make sure that you're, you should actually unlock it or lock it or shut the garage. So that, I think, gives the extra peace of mind as well. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. That's, I also have a blink camera in my garage that I can check if the garage is open or supposedly open. All right. Well, if you have a smart home question, you can send it our way with the hashtag ask smart home show, and we will pick a question to include in each show. All right. Well, that is going to wrap this episode. Adam, where can people find you these days if they want to hear more from you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice. Uh, find all our smart home products at ConnectSense.com. How about you, Richard? You won't find me on Twitter these days. I will check for those hashtags, but I'm I'm not interacting on Twitter now. You can find me on Mastodon. I am the only Richard Gunther on Mastodon that I'm aware of so far. 
So I'm on twit.social, but you shouldn't need that if you're looking for me. And uh, of course, the Smart Home Show is part of technology.fm, a collection of tech-focused podcasts that includes Home Tech FM, The Spoon Podcast, and my other show, Home On. And our webpage, smarthome.fm, is where you can find our show notes and details about each episode. And in this case, information about our favorite picks. You can reach out to us at feedback at smarthome.fm and find us anywhere that you find or play podcasts. But do us a favor, subscribe or tell a friend about the show if you don't already. All right. Thanks for listening. 